Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Second Chance, a podcast that explores the notion of second chance. What is a second chance and who deserves a second chance and who decides whether someone is worthy of a second chance? My name is Raphael Rowe and in this episode I'll be joined by Laudia Lewis Spencer who is a clinical psychotherapist from Protea Psychotherapy Practice and Chris Hicken from Remedy Restorative Justice Services. We'll be discussing what second chance actually means in a practical context. Now, I've asked both of you to come on the show today because I'm really interested in in finding out what second chance actually means in a, a sort of practical context. So, Chris, let me start by asking you, because you work with both victims and perpetrators, which I think is, is instrumental to, to giving people a second chance. Just tell me a little bit about the work that you do and why it's important. Mark, the organisation I work for, Remedy, we deliver restorative justice uh, for victims and offenders of crime. So uh, we tend to get involved once there's been a successful outcome, either delivered by the police or at courts. So a sentence has been delivered and then we're there to actually look at what I suppose the traditional criminal justice system hasn't provided for the victims and offenders to offer some sort of uh, facilitation communication between both parties as a way of, I suppose, healing uh, the damage caused by the crime and finding out questions to answer what the victim might have as well. And giving uh, the offender the opportunity as well to sometimes apologise and try and make amends some way. And what does a, a clinical psychotherapist think about second chance, Laudia? Well, that's kind of one of those questions which is quite existential because without second chances, well, I would not have a profession, I would not have a career because if I don't believe that persons can change and, you know, rehabilitation can happen and persons can move from one stage to the next, then I wouldn't be doing what I do. So yes, I do believe that persons do deserve and can have or take advantage of 
second chance, quote unquote, and that might mean different things to different persons. And what is it you actually do? What does a clinical psychotherapist do? Well, psychotherapy is looking at the unconscious processes and how or childhood particularly, so I'm psychoanalytic in terms of my psychotherapy, psychodynamic. And the ethos behind that kind of theoretical practice is about attachment, it's about how our childhood is influenced and it informs who we are as people now. So we're all born sort of as clean slates. However, our conditions of growth is what then impacts us and influences who we are. And with therapy, how that comes in is that you can have that second chance if you're given the right conditions to make that change. So whether that's empathy, unconditional positive regard and non-judgmental attitude, which is what we kind of facilitate and we encourage a person to go on that journey towards self-actualization. Self-actualization is a direction, not a destination. So we all will be making second chances as we are on that journey. And and what does that mean, Chris, for for the victim of of a perpetrator? I mean, once a perpetrator has committed a crime, for example, um, and they've left behind a a victim, where does a second chance come into that? It's one of the things which some victims feel they can give to an offender at times. And there's, there's no hard and fast rules to say, well, in these types of offences, victims will forgive, and in these type of offences, victims won't forgive. But it can be very important to some victims that they can't keep living with anger, resentment, fear, uh, what the crimes left them with, and actually having that opportunity to offer some form of forgiveness and to be able to uh, also try and inspire and motivate the offender to move past it and change as well can be massively empowering for the victim. Isn't that giving too much power to the perpetrator, that the, the victim has to forgive the perpetrator in order for, for them to move on? Or is that just, you know, instrumental to, to the restorative justice process? No, I mean, I've delivered uh, RJ conferences between victims and offenders in the most high-tariff offences you can imagine. And we've gone into those meetings not expecting any form of forgiveness to be issued by the victim for the offender and the offender not expecting anything either. Very much just a starting point of trying to explain what's actually happened and trying to understand the impact their actions have had on their life. And then through that communication, then sometimes you do get to that point where for that that victim, they want to be able to offer it. They want to be able to offer that uh, I say that forgiveness. And also I've heard it say, well, you owe it to me. You owe it to me to change because of the impact you've had on our life. You, this is what you, this is your cross to bear going forward. Uh, show that to me, demonstrate what you have changed. That's what I want from you. Don't want apologies. I don't want any a letter from you. I want you to change. I think that from the, from the, the vict- victim saying it to the offender can be massively motivating. Practitioners are likely to say that but it can be the thing what hopefully tries to give them the spark to change as well. I'm a big still believer in self-efficacy, but it's, you've got to need to want to change yourself. I don't think there's any, so I don't think anybody who claims what restorative justice is the thing which changes offenders from offending is wrong. It's, it's got to be part of a, a fabric of different interventions, but it can provide the spark for an offender to actually fully understand what they've done to then be able to make change and move forward. When, when we talk about offenders moving away from the victim, um, Laudia, um, they then have to process 
this 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 new development in their life they may never have even contemplated uh, uh, that they have victims but they do how does that work in your field because i suspect that these offenders or people that you work with have to deal with this this enormous burden if it's a burden of of changing their lives and that's the thing because when we talk about second chances we're thinking about externally what about the second chance with self? And what I mentioned earlier about self-actualization and getting to that journey where we're all on that journey as human beings to start with, because inherently before anything else and any other things that we've done, we're first humans. And we're first having that drive and the journey to that unconscious process of being better versions of ourselves. So when we talk about, you know, being the victim or the perpetrator, it's about first giving ourselves that second chance. And that's where I come in, in terms of, are you ready? Is this something you desire for yourself? What does this look like? What does second chance? And that could be from either parties. And I don't necessarily work with victim or perpetrators. Those are not the languages that I use per se. You know, I work with individuals. I work with humans. And yes, some cases they are perpetrators. And in some cases they have suffered or they've been victims or they've experienced situations that put them in those categories. But firstly, I work with the individual, that person, that innate potential to wanting to be good. Some people would say that that, that perpetrators or offenders don't deserve a second chance. You know, what they've done, whether it's a, a serious, serious offence such as murder or rape, those individuals don't deserve a second chance. What would you say to individuals who think people don't deserve a second chance? If we're looking at all of us as being good, and I'm doing quote unquote here because good is quite subjective, as good human beings, for us, that starts with us. And it's about that forgiveness. And it's about that process for ourselves. So even before we externalize that, it's about us looking at ourselves and saying, OK, what kind of person do I choose to be? A person that is forgiving, a person that is moving forward and is emotionally caring for oneself even before the perpetrator so to speak and forgiveness and second chances and all of that is not for the other it is for us it's for oneself so if I'm on that journey and that is my desire to be the best version of myself I will benefit from giving that person a second chance by releasing whatever emotions I am carrying because it's just not worth it for myself good for my betterment so even from a selfish perspective it works for you as the individual what do you think chris yeah i think a lot of that resonated with me in terms of some of the victims i've worked with where it is especially ones who are quite self-respect uh have got a good self-awareness about what they're going through and again some of the, the quotes what they'll say is well i i can't live with this anger it's not healthy for me i can't carry this burden around with me so i've got to find a place where i can offer some sort of forgiveness and I think what it does is when you do get genuine change in an offender and a genuine second chance, and it's actually a lived second chance and demonstrated, then that just ratifies that original, uh, from a victim's perspective, their original choice to actually offer forgiveness and, not, and try and persuade them to have that second chance. So cause that's where a lot of it comes in. It's from certainly from my perspective, when we're delivering meetings and face-to-face conferences, it's an offender can sit there in front of a victim and say how sorry they are and what will never do it again and how apologetic they are and how remorseful they are. But the reality is that's, that's proven when they're actually released from custody and they're actually living day to day in their lives. So 
it's it's the long haul, isn't it? It's not that one shot moment, that like sort of cinematic moment of forgiveness, and then that's great. Everyone can then go off into the sunset holding hands. It has to be a lived experience over a prolonged period of time, and that's that's hard. That's difficult for people. I'm trying to understand the process here. Can you give people a second chance, or or, or as I'm internalizing what you're saying to me, both of you, it's something that that you take for yourself. No one can give you a second chance. Yes, you can be released from prison. That in itself is a second chance. You're being allowed back into society. You served your time and you're being given a second chance to go and live your life, whether you commit another crime or do something to to sort of challenge that second chance. That's one thing. But is second chance something that you actually give to someone or you take for yourself? Laudia? This is the thing where sort of the vocabulary is quite, they they sort of, nuances because when you say you gave and second chances and we look at for externally but that's a lot of power to give to another individual it's a lot of power to give to a system they giving you the second chance it's a lot of responsibility what if they don't what if they decided it's not you've got to find that within yourself and that's the first place second chances begin anyway and even when we talk about relationships the relationship with other people even if they did decide okay i'm going to give you a second chance you've got to want that second chance you have to first believe that you deserve a second chance and you can only do that by giving yourself that first push it's a lot of personal power to expect someone else to do or to give even if someone decides, I'm going to give you a second chance, that second chance means nothing if you decide not to take it. So inherently, second chances are born out of us desiring that and us taking that for ourselves, taking personal power of that change. Chris, can you give me any examples where um, practically, you know, a victim and a perpetrator or an offender have come together and out of that is born uh, 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 the idea of a second chance or an example where where it, it works. Yeah, I mean, there's a case currently doing the rounds in the media, uh, Jacob Dunn case, a one-punch manslaughter uh, in Nottingham, which we facilitated the meeting between Jacob and uh, the parents of the, the person he killed. I think that took us two and a half years to get to fruition because the parents didn't want to meet him whilst he was studying uh, and getting education in prison because... And then when he was released, he went to college and university and they didn't want to actually get in the way of any of that. They wanted him to get his A-levels first and then wanted to meet him. So what he could, and again, it's that similar thing what to them, they're like, look, you've got to make something of your life because we've not got a son anymore. So his life is gone. You are the one now what can actually do something good. His, his life has got to mean something. So if we can actually inspire you to do better things with your life, then that's what we want to try and do. And he talks himself about how just the fact that the people on this planet who should hate him the most offered him that forgiveness and offered him some way of um, moving on, gave him that inspiration to be able to change. What's interesting about that case is, and I think this is this would go for most of those high-tariff cases, certainly where somebody's uh, like the murder, manslaughter, death by dangerous driving is, you've also got the question of like, well, you might not get forgiveness from everybody, both within that internal family, you got then the wider society, the friends and uh, fr- friends and co- co-workers of that person. So at what point does it become where you, you can actually accept that second chance? If, well, one person forgives me, the mum might forgive you, but the dad might not. 
So that's where it has to be in yourself as well, I suppose, of saying, well, that's great, I can get that, but really, can I be able to forgive myself to be able to move on and have I done enough there to be able to, again, that self-efficacy thing of, it's the joke I always like to tell is like, how many uh, psychologists does it take to change a light bulb? Just one, but the light bulb has got to want to change. So we can do things and put things in place and try to facilitate that communication. But ultimately, and again, and this is all the complexities of it, of environmental issues. With that case, and I can think of other cases we've delivered where we know the offender's not going to reoffend, but if they've gone back into a similar environment to the one which actually led them to offend in the first place, then even if they've been given that forgiveness, if the environmental factors are too strong to lead them back into a criminogenic behaviour, then it's not the thing that's going to keep it on track for a long time. And I think that's one of the things even where sometimes we get into it where you talk about reoffending rates, recidivism rates, and for some people actually just stopping offending for six months is a massive achievement if that's all they've known within their life. So yeah, it's uh, it can be very powerful, but it's also got to be within the context of the wider issues within society. And, and Laudia, as, as a practitioner, um, you know, a therapist um, who, who, who works with, do you just work with perpetrators or do you work with other people where forgiveness and second chance is an important and instrumental part of who they are and what they do, how they change? No, I don't just work with persons who have committed a crime by legal crime, so to speak. Um, but what was just said now, I think that's a perfect sort of example which validates the point I made before, that the parents who are giving this person, quote-unquote, a second chance are doing it for themselves because they don't have a son anymore. So this individual needs to carry that sort of baton on to sort of give them some release from the pain or the suffering, the grief, all of that. So it's for them. So inherently, the person benefits because I feel forgiven I feel like I'm being given a second chance but it's for the parents on the flip side of that as well it's a lot of responsibility to take on if he doesn't get his A-levels and do as well or do live up to the expectations of what they would desire then that's a bit of a challenge as well because now I haven't done all the expectations have I not been given the second chance have I do I deserve the second chance because I haven't passed a levels I haven't done this I'm not qualified I'm not good enough for this second chance and then that's where the internal battles become and this is where it becomes very intricate and very complex because one is handing one is receiving but if you don't feel deservant of what you're receiving it means nothing it sounds to me that, that forgiveness is instrumental to second chance. Are we talking about the same thing? Forgiveness and second chance are the same thing or, or can they be separated? Because can you be given a second chance if you haven't been forgiven in, in, in say, a crime scenario or in any of the other work that you do, Laudia? You know, does forgiveness have to be part of the process of being given a second chance? This is where it gets complex, as I said, you know, because... When we talk about forgiveness, we're talking about a complete different kind of notion of how things are done. You can forgive somebody and they never know about it because forgiveness is about you, not about the external person. But also you've got to want to forgive yourself in order to accept whatever second chance that has been handed to you. So no, they're not one and two, but they do work well together. And persons may not choose to use the word forgiveness. It's, it's not the commonality of the word. Second chance sounds more sort of equilibrium on that basis because for some reasons 
forgiveness has some sort of spiritual connotations to it, which is not always true, but that's the association in terms of the language. So it's not always, no. Chris? Yeah, I think because you can get into the practicalities of it. Uh, and I know of a case where, again, somebody wanted to forgive after 17 years, had killed his brother, wanted to forgive, wanted to offer forgiveness, was in a place where he felt like I was, I'm ready to do that, but very much didn't want them to be released from prison. He didn't want like it to them to have a second chance and live their lives like freely. Sorry, it's two completely separate things. I've saying, look, I want to be able to give you this, and I hope you can accept that, and I hope you can that helps you as a human being grow. But at the same time, I want the letter of the law to be carried out, and I want the the punishment of the sentence to be carried out in full. I don't want that to affect it one way or another. And ultimately, that's the prerogative of the victim. Like I said, I've I've met victims who have forgiven the person responsible for the death of their loved one, which is astounds me what somebody can do that even it's to get your head around it and then i've met other victims who like 200 years in prison won't be enough for them life won't be enough for them it's not it'll never be enough they'll never get over certainly this of the current time but not in a position to ever offer any forgiveness or want a second chance because they perceive it as why why should i the person i love never got a second chance so and they own that. That's theirs to own. Uh, and there's no one who can give it. But that doesn't necessarily say what the person responsible in most offences shouldn't then be able to move on. Because then that becomes back to more about what we are as a society, doesn't it? Of, And we believe we have a rehabilitative uh, criminal justice system. That's what we believe in as a society. Otherwise, you've got to look at what's the alternative to it. If you don't give people second chances and you don't try and educate and get people to grow as human beings and move on, what is the alternative to that? It's a challenging question, isn't it? Because you're right, we do live in a society where believe people believe rehabilitation, second chance, whatever that is. It could be relationships, you know, giving your husband or wife a second chance if they, you know, had an affair or something like that. But but we also live in a society where where we can, you know, we often condemn those who have done things and they make it difficult. We as a society make it difficult to to hand over or give a second chance because we constantly bash people who do wrong it's easier to to sort of ride that horse if you like than it is to to ride the horse of change do you think that's challenging um Laudia? i i think it's very challenging because society can keep us you know being behind bars or being in prison physically is one thing but the societal prison imprisonment even after years of leaving prison and this sort of confined spaces can be more enormous on the psychological impacts, the stigma, you know, the stain of your name, the shame, the guilt, all of that that you have to then carry is like paying the price for what you've done twice or more over, you know, and it goes, the disparity goes from, like I said, a white lie to committing a very vicious crime. The consequences still perpetuate throughout years. You know, you can't get a job because you, you have to sort of, be judged basically based on something you did at maybe even 15 and I've got to believe that there is a possibility there's potential in all of us to change otherwise I would be able to do what I do so yes what someone does at 15 and the person they are at 30 ultimately they they there must be some possibility that this person from from point a to point b and become a better version 
of that individual. Lorde, you mentioned that you don't um, just work with offenders or perpetrators. Can you give me any examples where second chance works in a different concept? Well, second chance, even with self, and, and that's the basis because it's all, all about being a better version of yourself and ultimately society will benefit from the better version of you. So second chances where people have done things they're not pleased with or even been in a relationship where they are very narcissistic, they've abused, they've sort of done things that they are not proud of. And to be given that second chance, first need to start with themselves because they need to come to a place where what I've done, own what they've done, like what I like to say, own their stuff and put it out and be congruent with oneself and be very honest with what I'm willing to change, how I'm willing to change and how far I need to be to get this change. And it's about vulnerability. And sometimes we're not willing to invest that vulnerability in ourselves or to society for, for us to receive that kind of change that we need. So I would say there's lots of people, well, most people that I work with, including myself, deserves a second chance and has been given a second chance and whether that's externally someone else or by ourselves it's, it's an interesting one um and, and i don't know what both of you think about this but i i get lots of messages from people who, who who look at the work that i do as a journalist going into prisons interviewing some horrendous offenders uh, and people would work with them um so rape victims have, uh, recently have contacted me sort of saying, you know, they themselves have been a victim of rape and, and they found it very difficult to, to forgive their offender or their offender was never brought to, to justice. And so they themselves are struggling um, in their own lives because they've not been able to, to externalise it. I mean, how do you, how do you overcome that, that kind of challenge? And I suppose in the, in, in the prison setting, Chris, or in the criminal justice setting, when those obstacles are standing in the way of a second chance. How do you overcome them or is it possible? As much as we believe in that rehabilitation as a society and want people to move on, we also believe in what, well, justice should be served as well. What you've committed a crime and you're found guilty, then you should also then pay for that crime and you should then be punished for that. I think that's why what we try to do is, and when it works, what I think works well is, it runs alongside the traditional criminal justice system and is about part of that process. So, well, that's something separate, the punishment side. We're about now the rehabilitation and I suppose the healing from a crime as well. And it is, it's just very difficult to get. I think it's what something you said there about doing the, the level of work you might do with someone who's 15 and then return. They're going to be a different person at 30. But what is that market? There's no line in the sand to say, well, what you need is five years of therapy and then you, you, you then do a second chance. Even if you've been, if you might have done three years in prison and you're released, mm-hmm. you still have a second chance. Well, if you've got all those issues within yourself, what haven't been addressed, it might take you 20 years before you get to a position where you can actually, well, I, I can now not carry the burden of what I've done, either prior to even committing the offence and then obviously afterwards as well. So there's no simple mathematical equation to say, well, actually, you do this, and then if you do the X, Y, and Z, you will be given a second chance to do that. I think the reality is much more complicated than that. Would you say, Lodia, that you have to make a mistake or you have to have failed at something in order for you to have a second chance? Or can it come from somewhere completely different? Because I suppose the definition of a second chance is that you, you failed at something or you made a mistake and therefore you're being given a second chance. Or can it start from somewhere else completely? 
just to kind of piggyback on what Chris was saying is about, you know, for example, the, the victim of a rape um, not being able to move forward or the forgiveness because this person hasn't, the justice has not been served. And where I would come from in terms of that perspective, yes, that is true. And sometimes when there's external justice, that does help and it aids the healing process. But the notion from my perspective would be, you deserve a second chance to live a happy life, to live a fulfilled life. And you are unable to do this by not moving forward. So not only is the justice not served for that person, your justice is not being served. So would work on that in terms of for self, not for the external. I think there's something else as well on uh, in terms of what society deems worthy of mm-hmm. giving a second chance to. And as you mentioned there, there's, there's certain types of offences which society will never offer second chances to in general will never be able to fall back and there's other scenarios where actually people can like empathize with a lot more uh, so you've got you, a cliche case of young person growing up in care goes on to have a substance misuse issue uh, commits crimes i think most people can understand the hard life that's led to the crimes being committed and if then they can turn the life around there'll be a lot of support for that whereas within society and it can be fluctuating as well, whether it's within criminal justice or just in, he can be a sports star in society and do something and then be vilified for it and take years to come back for it. If you, Dave, were burning effigies of David Beckham because he got sent off in a World Cup final. And then he's yeah, a, yeah. He's a yeah, national I watched player. that game. Yeah. And, and, and then I watched the game against Greece when he scored the free kick in the final minutes to get us into the next World Cup, which was his redemption moment. And then he's a national treasure now. And he could probably do a, like, so within society itself, it fluctuates, doesn't it, in terms of, well, what we're willing to uh, forgive and what we're not willing to forgive for as well, what we'd say as a community and as a society. It's an interesting one. What do you think about this? I recently interviewed a man in, in Mauritius who um, was in prison for, for, for killing women, raping those women and destroying them women. That's the words he used. He was um, a, a schizophrenic. I think he'd been diagnosed late in life as being a schizophrenic and he was on medication and he was being contained in a prison within a prison inside Mauritius. And, 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 and the verdict was he was never going to be released. One, because whilst he was in prison, he carried on committing some horrendous crimes, setting fire to, to, to prisons and attacking other prisoners. And when I left that interview, I was of the opinion that this is a man that should never be released from prison under the present circumstances. You know, he still appeared very, evil is a word I use loosely, but I think it gives you a perception of the kind of individual I was dealing with. Do, do you both believe that, that everybody, regardless of the crimes that they've committed or their state of mind, um, is worthy of a second chance at some point? Well, even if he's contained within the walls of a prison, a second chance is still deserving because him being held in prison is not just for the safety of others, but for himself as well, it seems. Because it must be really difficult for a person, whatever we call it, evil we call it, but for that person to act and behave a certain way, surely there is something that is wrong with that individual. There's something going on that needs more understanding he might not understand that, but love, empathy, unconditional positive regard is deserving of this individual. What he then does with that is is something else. But yes, he deserves it, even if it means being contained for safety for himself and others. Chris? Yeah, I mean, I just probably echo that point of it doesn't, 
I think when you get when it gets confusing, if you think second chance automatically means release from mm. you're talking about that. And actually, for some people, it probably isn't safe for them or others for a, for a public protection standpoint to ever be to be released. But they can still work on themselves as an individual and as a human being and change and be like, well, and be a different person going forward. Whether then that should necessitate them being released from custody would have to be that's down to public protection really more than anything. Before I wrap this up, um, is there anything around second chance forgiveness that, that, that we've not talked about? Is there an area that you think is important that people need to know? Because I suspect people listening to this come to this podcast because they want to know what second chance actually means. And I think you both eloquently explain the challenges and the positivity of such a, a, a concept. But is there anything else that you would say to anybody listening to this podcast right now who themselves want to have a second chance in life? It might just be a career change. It might be that they have been themselves a victim of a a, a crime and they want to forgive and they've not been able to give. Or, or, or as I said earlier, uh, somebody who has been the victim of something as Brenda says, rape, they've never been able to see justice. I mean, is there anything that we're missing here that people need to know, Chris? I think the concept of second chances is a massively powerful one. And I mean, it is, it runs through our society, doesn't it? I mean, it's part of films and literature, the comeback story, the Shawshank Redemption. Uh, to, it's a wonderful life. It's, it's, people can get, get behind the concept. And there's obviously something quite positive about that, that experience and being able to do that. It's just the thing of not knowing when it's actually going to come. There's no... <laughs> It's very rare when you're going to have that light bulb moment or light switch moment, rather, where it's something very, it's changed. It's, it's very much, I think, for any change, it has to be consistent. And you've got to put the hard yards in to actually then achieve that change and achieve the second chance. It's not a, it's not a tangible thing. It's something which is consistent throughout. I always think about my mum quit smoking 40 years ago when she got pregnant with my sister. And she said she still walks through rooms now. If somebody's smoking, she wants a cigarette. It's never left her, but she's never smoked since. And it's like, that's the, like, that's the hard yard you have to do. It's not the congratulations at that moment 40 years ago. I've quit. I've had my last cigarette. You throw it in the pack, in the bin. It's showing the hard yards going forward to prove actually what you've changed and you're deserving of that second chance. I think one of the things I would say as well is, just one quick point is, uh, we did a case last year with uh, a priest in Manchester and she was saying what like one of the central tenets of Christianity is forgiveness. It, it's a it's a package deal. If you are a Christian, you have to forgive, really. It's, it's part of the doctrine. And they got their church burgled uh, of all the raffle prizes, which was used to be able to keep sustain the church going and doing a lot of the charity work. And she said she found it really difficult to, even though she like preaches this literally like twice a week, she preaches it. It is she says I find it very difficult to just forgive that person until I actually met them, and I could actually explain it to them in more detail and and get through to the actual human being, the person, and then I were able to do that. And again, that thing of for them, they were like right, I've been able to find that forgiveness, and hopefully then what they got satisfaction with was seeing the change in that person going forward when they saw him as part of their community and things like that. Lydia? Well, the only thing we're certain of is change. Change is certain. And it's going to change anyway. So might as well be, be very intentional about it. Be intentional intentional with the changes that we desire for ourselves, the, the intentions of how we desire ourselves to be. And, you know, I keep going on about self-actualization. 
it's a direction, not a destination. But every day we should get up, and I'm using should here, um, get up with the intention to be the better version of ourselves. And, you know, like when we talked about an individual not receiving justice, even when that justice has been received, who decides it's enough? You know, so we've got to give ourselves that justice. We deserve that justice. And what I want to leave with anyone listening today is that when we talk about second chance and forgiveness and moving on, we think about it very externally and it's something being done or given to us. But I would sort of advocate to anybody that you deserve a second chance. You deserve a second chance. But that second chance first must be given to you by you. Because even if someone gives it to you, if you're not in the place to receive that, it will mean nothing to you. Right. So when you get up tomorrow, give yourself a second chance, whether that's a career, whether it's to love yourself more, to be positive, to let go of the baggage in terms of the emotional stuff you've experienced. Let it go and give yourself a second chance. You deserve it. It feels good to get that second chance. I think that's the other thing. It's like as an actual emotion. Like I, I think back to when I was a child and I remember stealing a packet of biscuits <laughs> from my grandmother's house and eating them all and not telling anybody and living with that guilt for a week and then actually basically confessing to my crimes to my parents. And my parents being that proud where I'd actually owned up to it and made me feel good about it. But I still think, I can still like think back to that feeling it gave me of that forgiveness of, right, okay, it isn't that bad. I've been carrying the weight of that around me for a week and then actually being able to confess to what I'd done to my crime. Uh, and my grandma were moving biscuits in there to the top shelf, so I couldn't get it anymore. But that's, it is a palpable feeling what you get. On that note, I would wrap up. And I know that you've got to get on to another um, important client, Lord. But just before we go, let me just ask, in, in, un, under the current situation covid black lives matter all these kinds of issues going on it seems that something like a second chance is really important out there at the moment because it's it's about education it's about um sort of informing people about the various different issues that are going on in the world you know covid in itself is i think giving the whole world a second chance to reflect on who they are what we are what we do how we do it together universally i don't think there's anything as powerful but then at the same time you've got the whole sort of black lives matter or racist movement going on all these things are really out there at the moment so on on that as a final note what would you say that the impact of these kind of things going on around the world is way beyond just the confines of a prison cell or or clients sitting on your couch Laudia so this bigger picture how does that feed into as a final word second chance what this pandemic has really done is you know despite the, the bad thing, so to speak, that's come of it. The opportunity which it has given us is to sit with ourselves. A lot more of us has had the opportunity to reflect, to look at ourselves, to hold the mirror up and have a full perspective of who we are as people in relation to society. And at the minute, I'm very, very busy. And I'm busy as a result of persons who have taken the time out to really look at themselves and decided, I need to change. This needs to happen. I need to be giving to society a bit more what I first need to start giving to myself so in terms of every from every bad comes 
good you know from every disappointment comes an appointment and you know we can't change the circumstances but we can change how we respond to the circumstances and I think majority of society on a whole it's been quite good actually they've been quite positive with the Black Lives Matters the receptiveness the reception we've been receiving the conversations I've been having with clients and colleagues and persons with an authority about how they can support individuals on this so I think everybody's searching out for their second chance you know what the pandemic has came um the black Lives matter everything all of this is just happening all happened in one go like one big bang now let's start again let's see what we can learn from what's happened and how can we move forward for the betterment of society and and that's it really if you think about one of us i suppose the central tenants of second giving a second chance or affording yourself second chances understanding what the actual issue is and reflecting on that issue to be able to give a second chance or to accept a second chance and having that reflection time so I think this certainly is a period of time where as you say people are being able to reflect and understand hopefully the world a little bit better so what then they can make a more informed decision around the issues what's facing them day in day out and it's not just as hopefully anyway, not just as a blinkered uh, approach to any problem we've had in society. Chris, Lordia, thank you very much for sharing your expertise. Um, I'm sure people will get a lot out of this. Thank you very much. You're most welcome. Most welcome. Thank you. If you enjoyed listening to this episode and want to hear more, please subscribe to be notified when new episodes are posted and leave a comment with your thoughts, suggestions and ideas. This podcast was produced by Your Vision Media Limited, original music by J-Row Productions, design work by Studio Minerva and myself, Raphael Rowe. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.